people care about their car buying journey, provide your customers with an unparalleled chat and digital retailing experience with Goobagoo. Whether your customers are online or in-store, Goobagoo is there. See the magic at Goobagoo.com. That's G-U-B-A-G-O-O.com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, January 13th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Tesla slashes prices after missing sales targets. A majority of U.S. Lincoln dealers sign up to sell EVs, and Toyota looks to convert old models to achieve its zero emission goals. Plus, a conversation about how customers win and profits rise when dealership sales and service departments work together. Even if I'm not making that sale this quarter, I might be making three sales over the next two years if I can, if I can do this relationship thing right. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Tesla slashed prices across its four-vehicle lineup late Thursday after missing its delivery forecast for last year. On its website, Tesla listed the top-selling Model Y Long Range with all-wheel drive at just under $53,000 before shipping. That's a reduction of $13,000, or 20%. The price reduction put the Model Y under the $55,000 price cap for new U.S. EV tax incentives. Tesla also reduced prices significantly for the Model 3 compact sedan, Model S midsize sedan, and Model X midsize crossover. Shares in Tesla fell as much as 6.4% in trading this morning. Nearly 60% of Lincoln's U.S. retail network has signed up to sell electric vehicles. They're opting into a certification program that requires them to invest up to $900,000 on charging infrastructure. Lincoln says the 356 dealers who agreed to meet the program's requirements represent 88% of the brand's sales volume. About 90% of the dealers who signed up are located in the nation's top 130 luxury markets. Lincoln has about 600 U.S. dealers in total. The 60% opt-in rate is slightly less than the two-thirds of Ford's dealers who enrolled in that brand's certification program. All standalone Lincoln dealerships signed up. Toyota CEO Akio Toyota has a new proposal for the global auto industry's war on carbon levels. He wants to convert old cars into electrics. Even if all the world's new vehicles are replaced by EVs someday, Toyota reasons that it will still do little to cut emissions from the hundreds of millions of fuel-burning vehicles already on the road. Toyota's proposed solution? Carbon-neutral conversions. Take an old car and make it green by dropping in an all-electric or hydrogen powertrain. Toyota floated his vision this week at the Tokyo Auto Salon Tuner Show. He unveiled two carbon-neutral, fun-to-drive concept vehicles derived from the legendary Toyota AE86 hot hatch. You can see photos of the concepts and other highlights of the Auto Salon at autonews.com. And Vice President Kamala Harris is touting U.S. manufacturing of electric school buses as a way to create American jobs and improve children's health. Harris highlighted investments in U.S. auto production and manufacturing in a visit to Ann Arbor, Michigan for a federal environmental policy talk. 25 million children a day in America go to school on these diesel-fueled buses, and they are inhaling toxic fumes. I have now visited U.S.-based electric school bus manufacturers. And the great thing about it is that we're making it right here. It is the creation of jobs. 
Harris says electric vehicle and battery production is critical to building a clean energy economy. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, Tesla slashes prices across its lineup. Is this a way for them to make up lost ground? You know, a lot of their constraints are really on the manufacturing side. But clearly, and Tesla's facing a lot more competition from a lot more brands, both other upstarts and the established incumbents. So it makes a lot of sense. And most importantly, they want to get their customers those federal dollars to support EV sales. Right. Coming up, a conversation about why turf battles and different objectives prevent dealership departments from collaborating and why that hurts business. That's next on Daily Drive. Dealers especially have, you know, over the course of the last two years, have proven even more essential. Of course, they were right. deemed essential by the government, even more essential from a consumer standpoint. You know, nothing stands still when you're in the car business. And if you're a dealer, like Jason Stein just told us, you should feel good about the future. You know, that's so true, Mark. And, and there's so much noise out there. So if you're an owner, a general manager, you're in sales or in service, how are you supposed to help your business thrive? Well, look no further. I'm Mark Spoto. And I'm Elliot Short. And we host the Walk Around Podcast, powered by JM&A Group. We talk to leaders who are influencing the automotive landscape today, and we promise you will learn something new with every episode. That's a sure thing. I see what you did there. You like that? Well, we'll talk about it. Okay. Well, anyway, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or whatever platform you're listening to. Just search the Walk Around Podcast. People care about their car buying experience, and so do we. Provide your customers with an unparalleled chat and digital retailing experience with Goobagoo. Goobagoo is the leader in conversational commerce for the automotive industry. Our fully managed live messaging services instantly connect consumers to dealers anytime and anywhere through live chat, text, video, and more. Integrated with our fully managed chat, Goobagoo's virtual retailing platform enables consumers to buy cars online directly from the dealership's website through multiple channels. We are constantly improving the retailing experience and currently have over 100 integrations with CRMs, DMSs, and third-party applications. Goobagoo transforms the traditional car buying process into a modern, transparent, and seamless experience. Available 24-7, 365, our highly trained chat specialists are there to help. See it for yourself at goobagoo.com. That's G-U-B-A-G-O-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. A dealership that doesn't work together leads to dissatisfied and disloyal customers. That means less profit over the long term. Dave Foy is with dealership training company Quantum 5, and Deb Mashik is a social psychologist who studies collaborative workplaces. They recently spoke with Automotive News senior editor Dan Shine about how to build a dealership culture that centers on cross-departmental collaboration and focuses on customers' needs. Here's their conversation. Dave and Deb, thanks so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us, Dan. So you two uh, wrote a guest column for Automotive News uh, back on November 4th about uh, collaboration, across collaboration in dealerships. We thank you for that. The check's in the mail. I, I already um, cashed it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I guess first thing, I'm, I'm kind of curious about how you two came together. Um, I guess 
just like Batman needed Robin, uh, I guess a mastermind needs a PhD uh, as well to help him out. Dave, how did you and Deb meet and decide that you kind of wanted to work together on something? Yeah, uh, I saw Deb's content on LinkedIn and uh, it was really intriguing. Obviously, that that's collaboration within the dealership is is something that's that's needed is necessary. And Deb, how about you? Do you spend a lot? Have you spent a lot of time researching this field of study and and, and especially in dealerships, or is it just something that you're interested in and can and can be applied in any kind of business setting? Yeah, great question. So when David asked me to come onto his podcast, we had this conversation, and just the lightning was was striking. And so I, you know, my expertise is in the psychology of relationships and thinking about how to apply that to workplace settings to help with collaboration in particular. Have I ever thought about it in the context of the automotive dealership? No, I hadn't. But through that conversation, it was so crystal clear that the exact same challenges that present themselves in all of these other industries were were present here too. So the you know a lot of the zero sum thinking, the idea that what's good for the the customer is somehow bad for the business or what's good for one department is bad for the other department and it just it was so obvious after our conversation that we should probably try to capture these ideas. And so I emailed Dave that night and said, Hey, I have this idea, you know, do you want to write this up? And, and what do you think it's something that would be of use to your industry? So Dave, you've spent a lot of time in automotive dealerships. Tell me that dynamic uh, between sales and service and when it's bad, why it's bad, what it looks like and when it's good, what does it look like when it's good? When it's bad, it's it's bad for the, the culture of the dealership, but also for the customer. To a customer, a dealership is is one place, right? It's it's not a service department, a parts department, a sales department. It's X dealership. That's the experience that they they want to have. And unfortunately, at times when they go in there, it's kind of an everybody for themselves mentality. And so a service person does not want to turn a customer over to sales to purchase a new car rather than fixing their car. And sales doesn't necessarily want to say, you know what, you're really not in a great position to purchase a car right now, uh, but let's take you out to service and see what they can do to help you out with the repairs that your car needs. You can almost feel that when you walk into places, uh, right? Not just dealerships. You, you can feel the places that have good culture when you walk into them. And you can feel it when the culture is not so good. And in the dealership world, and you know, the front end, the back end of dealerships as they kind of like separate these two kind of worlds, is it just a matter of siloed thinking? Is it a matter of we have different objectives and therefore we can never work together? Why is it difficult to make these two sides work together? Maybe I could take that from a general example, and then Dave, you can give some specificity to it. So some of the things that we see getting in the way of effective collaboration and effective cultures of collaboration are when you have this place-specific jargon where like, we, you know, we use this language or we use this language or specific workflows that don't at all integrate or connect with what others are doing in their departments. Or as you talked about there, Dan, starting to optimize for different outcomes, or we value this as an outcome as opposed to we all value the customer experience. And so all of those different lenses start to create really weird habits and competition where there could be collaboration. So Dave, I don't know, do you have a, an example maybe from the dealership world? 
Yeah, that, that is actually just the, the perfect example of uh, the, the technology that's used within the dealership. What sales and service typically use as a, a CRM, a customer management tool, is usually different. And so sometimes information that you would expect sales to know about a customer because you have it in your system, they don't have. They don't have access to it. It's either in a different place, a different silo, or it's just not in their system because it's not relevant to sales. And so rather than having that that holistic view of a whole customer, they only have that piece of a view. And the same thing for service. Service only has a piece of the view. They can't see the, the other side of it. And so sometimes it becomes simply a technology issue that that isn't meshing uh, which doesn't allow you to take care of a customer properly. Can I just say that blows my mind? And I'm thinking of the parallel of going to my doctor's office and this doctor only gets access to my blood work and this doctor only gets access to my height chart or something. It's like, no, no, these are all actually part of the same the same person, the same customer and that we need to understand them holistically. That's fascinating. And Deb, is it the, the biggest problem that in the pursuit of, of money, of, of business, of revenue, that the customer is forgotten, is left, the customer is, is left behind in this whole process and not really thought about in any reasonable way. Is that kind of where this starts? Well, that was, to me, one of the most interesting things about my conversation with Dave and something we've touched on in the article is that that customer relationship, that loyalty that you build up with, you know, I am in as a customer in relationship with my dealership that over the long term, that's what's going to be, you know, paying the big dividends. Those are the return customers. Those are the friends who are, or the people who are referring their friends. So the long-term health of the dealership actually is benefited by that customer relationship. Even if I'm not making that sale this quarter, I might be making three sales over the next two years. If I can, if I can do this relationship thing, right. Dave, what about you? You're thinking and what you, what you see in dealership and as far as how the customer is valued or not really valued. I think it turns into a short-term thinking uh, mentality, right? Where, where Deb just mentioned, it's it's the long-term of that customer, the lifetime value of that customer that everybody should be looking at. But unfortunately, people get stuck in, in their own world. So a salesperson is looking at it and going, I don't know if I'm going to be here in three years. So you know, I, I need to do what, what I can to make a dollar today as opposed to not worry about what I'm going to do in, in 2026 to make another dollar off this customer. And that's what starts to create your, your overall problem is if, if everybody is not looking and thinking long-term, if everybody doesn't buy into the, the vision of the, the dealership um, for being there for the long-term for their customers, then that short-term thinking wins out and the customer is the one who ultimately loses in that deal. And I would imagine that's a, that's a tough thing to fight because it's, you know, my rent's due, my mortgage is due, you know, this month, uh, you know, again, I'm not thinking about a year down the road or two years down the road. So I'm, I can understand where that would be a difficult mentality to fight against. Yeah, it definitely can be. Again, not knowing this world, but I would start to wonder about what are there opportunities then to incentivize that short-term customer care as as also a lucrative as a, an enriching sort of thing for the dealership, whether it's, you know, if we can end this today, when Deb walks onto the dealership, if she's feeling good about that relationship, is she more likely to engage in a behavior that brings money in? So I might buy the car. I might, I don't know, refer my friend tomorrow, something around along those lines. So Deb, what are the benefits of collaborating, to working 
across the aisle, reaching across the aisle, uh, whether again, whether it be in the accounting office or in the dealership, how does that improve things for everybody? Yeah, kind of the why bother, and I gotta say, it does take a lot of work. So what's what's at stake here when it sizzles versus fizzles? And you know, one of the things when you think about at the company level or at the business level. We know that when people are collaborating well, you tend to get um, better quality products, services, programs across industries. You also tend to get timelines that are working more fluidly. So the handoffs on whether it's a piece of paperwork that needs to move across department to department or, you know, this approval needs to happen before this person can get paid, those sorts of things. So timelines tend to be smoother when collaboration is going well. And this is huge. And it gets, Dave, to your point about, I don't know if I'm going to be here in three years. When collaborations are going well, the individuals are feeling more satisfied with their work. They're more engaged with their work. You see lower incidents of depression and anxiety. In other words, you have a healthier workforce. And that's a good thing because if they're miserable, if your people are miserable, they're going to walk. They're not going to be stable there. And then you, you're incurring all of these hiring costs. And so there's just all these, and all, of course, all of those factors start pushing toward the bottom line also, it's expensive for you in a business when collaboration is not going well, in addition to all of those customer benefits we talked about. Well, thank you both for your time. It was great uh, talking with you and getting your insights on collaboration and uh, cross-collaboration in dealerships. Thanks for your time. This is a pleasure. Thank you. Dave Foy is with dealership training company Quantum 5, and Deb Mashik is a social psychologist who studies collaborative workplaces. They recently spoke with Automotive News Senior Editor, Dan Schein. You can sign up for our new service and parts newsletter at autonews.com. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer, Jake Neer, as well as our own Christian Stracolitis, Lawrence Iliff, Michael Martinez, Hans Grimel, and Paige Hodder for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on service and parts, electrification, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. We'll be off on Monday for the Martin Luther King Jr. Day holiday here in the United States. Come back on Tuesday for a conversation about the new federal EV tax credit rules, which have dealers, automakers, and customers scrambling for answers. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.